Hey, Dorvo. Man, it's great uh, to be here with you this morning. Happy Sunday. I haven't got to say that in quite a while. Uh, I would love to give you the, the big hug, but I'm going to give you all virtual hugs uh, today. If you're in a group where you're socially distancing uh, and you are that close, give each other a hug. It'd be a good thing to start the day. Uh, this morning as we get started, I want to just quickly give you a little bit of an update on our life, how we're doing. Uh, Cheryl and I are enjoying uh, being back with our community group in person, uh, back on our back patio. Uh, and that's been life-giving. We've also been able to do some uh, premarital sessions back there, and I've had uh, sessions with uh, one or more guys uh, hanging out back there. And just being in person again uh, has really, uh, really been a warm thing. And we've really more and more hearing from people that are really thirsting for that uh, and are needing that. So I want to encourage you this morning. Uh, I know a lot of times we act uh, from a reactive posture. Um, we react to people requesting time with us or need. But I'm going to ask you to push beyond that. Uh, consider being more proactive. Think about people that you uh, can engage with in a in a appropriate socially distanced way, but see them face to face. Get that chance to engage. So I want to encourage you with that uh, this morning. I think it'll be beneficial not only to you, but I know it will be beneficial to those uh, that you would reach out to. Uh, before we move into a time of worship this morning, I want to give you a, just a brief update uh, on financials. It's been a couple of months since I came and talked about the first four months of the year. Uh, at that time, we were still holding our own. Uh, actually, over the last couple of months, we began to see a bit of a drop uh, in giving, which we expect. Uh, but we just want to encourage you uh, that uh, we do still have needs. Even though our expenses are down uh, because of our operations, uh, and we are close to budget, uh, we are seeing some, uh, some reduction, and we just want to be good stewards uh, and be able to do the things that need to be done during this critical time. Uh, so if you have been giving, thank you. Uh, if that's been a struggle for you or you got sidetracked with summer and everything else, just want to encourage you, uh, don't forget about us. So before we get going, I just want to ask you, would you join me now uh, in prayer as we begin to worship together? Father God, I thank you so much uh, that you have given us uh, the gift of relationship, uh, and you've given us the gift of community. Lord, help us to press in. Help us to not be reactive. Help us to be proactive in seeking out uh, others, Lord, in sharing our lives together. Uh, during this critical time, Lord, we thank you for the good things. Uh, Lord, we look to you and lean into you for the hard times. Uh, and so, God, we look to you uh, as our sustainer, uh, our a loving Father, and we come to you with these in Jesus' name. Amen.
life through 
to be with all of you today. I, I want to just uh, start off by saying I, I had this funny conversation with uh, Tim yesterday and he called me and, and said, hey, you know, I've had a couple people talk to me about, about uh, the sermons and, you know, just, uh, you know, struggling a little bit with our time in Romans, feeling like there's just so much going on in the world right now that that the messages aren't speaking to where we're at in this current moment. And what was funny is that I'm kind of notorious for uh, rabbit trails and the enjoyment of switching things up out of nowhere. And so I've been really fighting against that urge. But I, when I was gone last week, was already praying. I'm like, Lord, I just, I just feel like Romans is such a powerful book. It's something that we need to be in together in person and there's so much theology and what people are needing right now is 
is just to be reminded that you are with them and for them, that you'll never leave them or abandon them. And I was praying about what would be something that would speak to the moment. So when he brought it up, I think he thought I was going to be upset. And instead I was like, that's the best news because I've already been praying about this. So um, I am going to take a step out. We're going to take a step out of Romans. Uh, today I'm going to just do a message about our spiritual thirst, which I don't know about you, I feel is increasing uh, as we enter into greater and greater uh, difficulty in these tumultuous times. Uh, but what I'm going to begin next week is a, a journey through, and I, I think you're going to love this, because I think it's going to speak to the issues that we're dealing with uh, in a very robust way uh, right now, and that is we're going to do an exploration of the seven deadly sins. Now that may seem like a, uh, a very negative thing, but what we of course will be looking at is the the antithesis to that sin, uh, which is the hope of the gospel. Uh, so when we consider pride, we will look at humility. When we consider greed, we will look at generosity. And so all of these things, but I think that the emotions that people are experiencing with a combination of, of civic unrest through the protests around race and and uh, violence and just the increasing number of COVID cases. We had another thousand deaths yesterday. Uh, these things are creating just so much anxiety, but it's also bringing to the surface sort of the underbelly of human existence. And we have to be able to address those things and to look at those things and ask ourselves, are we reflecting the life of Jesus? in this time or are we falling into the trappings of the very things that brought separation to begin with and so i think it's going to be a really awesome uh seven week series and uh, i'm really looking forward to it and so today uh, we are going to consider this spiritual thirst and this comes from uh, the seven words that Jesus speaks from the cross and the most human word that he speaks, which is those simple two words, I thirst. I want to begin with a statement from Malcolm Muggridge, uh, written in uh, Jesus Rediscovered, one of my favorite books. He says this, and I don't, if you don't know anything about Malcolm Muggridge, he didn't come to faith. He was an atheist. He was a social commentator, critic, writer, a very brilliant man uh, who converted to Christianity late in life. And he was already famous. And so uh, this was just, everyone was so confused as an Englishman uh, for him to move from this kind of blatant, sort of hedonistic, uh, kind of social elitist life to this born again Christian. And he writes this about his experiences in the world. And I think that this will resonate with you, I pray, as it has with me. He says, I suppose in regard to myself, I may pass for being a relatively successful man. People occasionally stare at me in the streets. That's fame. I can fairly easily earn enough to qualify for admission to the higher slopes of the inland revenue. That's success. Furnished with money and a little Fame, even the elderly, 
if they care to, may partake of trendy diversions. That's pleasure. It might happen once in a while that something I said or wrote was sufficiently heated for me to persuade myself that it represented a serious impact on our time. That's fulfillment. Yet I say to you, and I beg you to believe me, multiply these tiny triumphs by a million and add them together and they are nothing, less than nothing, a positive impediment measured against one drought of the living water Christ offers to the spiritually thirsty, irrespective of who or what they are. So here is a man who has experienced all that society can offer to an individual. He has experienced fame. He has experienced wealth. He has experienced pleasure. He has experienced the fulfillment of being one who is recognized as saying things that are important and will be remembered. And yet he says, in all of those things, none of it compared, not even close, to the living water Christ offers to the spiritually thirsty, irrespective of who or what they are. I love this because Mugrich defines for us the very things that we often are allured by and away from the living Christ because we often believe the lie that somehow if we have these things, we will find ultimate satisfaction. But none of those things ever do bring the satisfaction that we thought they would bring. And what's fascinating about the time that we're living in right now is that we seem to be at an impasse. All that Western civilization has been built upon has been turned upside down on its head. Our individualistic age is now pressed into the full outcome of individualism, which is isolation. We are experiencing a lack of peace with all of our advances as cultured modern people. We still can't seem to get along. There is an ever increasing gap between the left and the right. What we are living in, I believe, in this time is the American Babylon. And I think that it is easy for us to uh, begin to just lose hope. Um, but I also think it's easy for us uh, to begin to look to diversions to escape the hopelessness that we're feeling. And, and I just want to encourage you guys, because I find this, I mean, seriously, you got naked Athena, spread eagle in front of federal troops. You have federal troops, you know, taking people in cars that aren't marked. You have you have endless rioting, you have continued vandalism uh, and on buildings. You have a primarily white city uh, in, a, in a massive uproar and receiving national attention for its continued unrest. Portland, the, the, the city that prides itself on its progressive outlook on life, and yet we find ourselves once again uh, living out the very TV show that was always too close to home for anyone that truly knows Portland, uh, that we are Portlandia. Uh, everything about our city is insane and it's easy to become angry, it's easy to become 
It's easy to become disenchanted. It's, it's easy to become numb, if you will, uh, to the difficulties. And what happens is that we lose sight of the central things that we should be continuing to care about, which is how do we actually bring the shalom, that is the rest that Jesus offers to a restless world? How do we bring the, the living water to a thirsty and parched world if we ourselves aren't drinking from that well. And I don't believe that we can offer any solution to the dilemmas that the world is in if the only solutions we are offering are the world's solutions. The answer again and again must be the gospel. So here we have in John chapter 19 verses 28 through 29, Jesus has moved through the darkness that has come over the land. He has cried out to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He has sent his mother away with John. He has offered salvation to the thief next to him. He has prayed for forgiveness for those that do not understand what it is they are doing. But here we find in this human cry, it says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. One of the first signs of life is thirst. We are all born thirsty, and if you are a mother, you know that that is true. But just as we come into the world with this physical thirst, so we have, as I was just speaking of, a spiritual thirst that is built into the soul. Isn't that what it says in Ecclesiastes? That God has placed eternity in the heart of humanity. And this spiritual thirst, I think Henry Scougal from the 16th century wrote it the best. He said, the soul of man has in it a raging and inextinguishable thirst. And in a very real way, Jesus entered into this thirst and made it his own. Six hours have passed on the cross, and here we find Jesus drinking the cup of suffering to its final dregs. And what he is revealing in this moment is his perfect obedience to the Father. That he is, as the psalmist writes, and from which he quotes, I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim for waiting for my God. This is in Psalm 69, verse 3. And then in verse 21, they gave me poison for food and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Jesus, the fulfillment of all scripture, all scripture pointing to him, he has entered in. Think about this. The very one who spoke in the universe leapt into existence is now the one, the creator, become creature. But more than just becoming man, he has entered into the physical and spiritual thirst, the longings that we have that are continually frustrated. He has entered into it in all of its fullness. And these are the things that we can learn from these words. This is what Mother Teresa says, as long as you do not know in a very intimate way that Jesus is thirsty for you, it will be impossible for you to know who he wants to be for you, nor who he wants you to be for him. So this reality 
uh, is that Jesus has entered into our thirst and made it, made it his own because he is thirsty for us. He longs for us. He is a God who is reconciling the world to himself that he is one who is not content to exist without us. And in this time where longings are deep and hopelessness abounds, we need to remember that we have a God who is thirsty for us and he wants to produce in us by his spirit a thirst for him and a thirst for the lost, a longing to help people come into contact with the only thing that can ultimately satisfy the human heart. You see, here we are confronted in this cry with his humanity. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh. Isn't that interesting? The mystery of godliness is described as the word become flesh. The incarnation is the revelation of what God is like. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That we don't need to look any further to find out where we can find God. We look to Jesus. That's why we continue as a church, no matter what is happening in the world, to preach Jesus and to preach the cross because the cross is the only thing that makes sense of this insanity and the suffering that the world is experiencing right now. This is why the great civil rights leader said, does Jesus have anything to say to a man who his back is pressed against the wall? And the answer is yes, because of the cross. It's not the eradication of suffering, but it is the place where we find the sympathetic high priest, the one who understands us and knows what it's like to hurt. Because isn't this the thing that people are asking right now? How often do we find ourselves saying, how long will I hurt? Because to be human is to hurt. We can't escape suffering. To be human is to feel pain. It is the outcome of sin, and where sin is, death, heartbreak, and pain follows. In becoming sin, Jesus tastes spiritual death. This spiritual death allowed him to enter fully into the frailty of fallen humanity. It, in essence, paved the way for his physical death, which he also conquered on the cross. That's why in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, the angel of the church of Smyrna writes, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. Jesus understands. The fear of death is very real. When I see people in their cars driving with their mask on and they're alone in a car with their windows rolled up, that is an irrational fear being manifested. The purpose of a mask is to protect others from you and you from others. But the purpose of the mask is not to protect you from yourself, which is all you're doing if you're in a car by yourself. But this kind of irrational fear shows that we live in a culture that has denied death and now we are confronted with it and we are terrified of it and we will use anything to distract ourselves from its reality. Some even saying that this isn't a real thing. But listen, the fact remains that we are moving toward 200,000 deaths from coronavirus in America. We are continuing to move toward an ever-increasing 
violent response to the political climate in this world. And I would just say that you maybe, as a viewer, experiencing even right now, the, the, the separations that's even happening in families. You got kids in the city who have left-leaning ideals dealing with parents in, the, in rural America who think that Portland is a bunch of crazies and you're, you're battling with your own parents over the things that are happening right now. You can't believe that they don't agree with what you feel like you understand. And this is one of those cycles that just plays into the reality of sin, the reality of human suffering. The fact is that we think we know far more than we do. We only know what we know. All you know is all there is. And so it is that the, the outworkings of sin and the, the reality of suffering that follows is being played out in every arena right now. And this is why people are so hopeless and why we have to move back to the one who understands our suffering. This can bring knowledge to our suffering. We can never say that God doesn't understand. And, and I think that in these, in these words, I thirst, Jesus is saying to you, I have been through it and I do understand. I cannot worship a God who is immune to pain. Jesus has tasted it and he has conquered it. Behind the physical, we find these words full, in these words, his full identification though with that insatiable longing of the human heart. Charles Baudelaire, the French poet said, the insatiable thirst for everything which lies beyond and which life reveals is the most living proof of our immortality. The insatiable longing to move beyond where we are. That desire for immortality, he argues, is the proof that immortality exists. Uh, I think that the three aspects of human existence that we find ourselves playing out in the frustrations that we experience because of sin is, is this. There is a wish to pass beyond ourselves as we now are. None of us have arrived. All of us, I find myself constantly driven by the fact that I often feel like everything I do is failure. That's why I have to continually surrender to Jesus and trust that He, in spite of the mixture that is me, uh, He is willing to work in and through me. There is a longing to be more, and yet so often I find myself with Paul. The things that I want to do, I do not do, and the things that I keep doing, I don't want to be doing. A wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death. There is a craving, number two, of, for knowledge in the right direction, a, a right orientation. I think there is a longing to be right, to be on the right side of things. But for us as Christians, the right side of things is being on the side of truth. And truth is not one political party over another. Truth for us as Christians is Jesus himself, who sits above as Lord over all that is. He is not, I just read, I think it was, uh, was it Reinhold Niebuhr, uh, the theologian who said, he said, I think that too many think that when they meet God one day that he will be an American. We need to understand that the truth of who Jesus is is that Jesus is about his kingdom. Not the kingdom that we live in or whatever kingdom is at the top right now because kingdoms come and go, empires come and go but the kingdom of God is what we are to live for. There is also a longing for unity with, re with 
or reunion with God. And I think that this is one of the things that we, we misunderstand is that people are spiritual by nature. People are religious by nature. People have a longing, a God, a God space that needs to be filled by God. And that longing is, is often placed upon all sorts of things, but what it reveals is actually there's a longing to be right with the one that created you for himself. We discover in this cry not only his identification uh, with our humanity, but we also discover in this cry our substitution. And here it is, is the good news and the gospel, because it is awesome that Jesus so fully identified with our suffering and the longing of our soul, but the cross is not just about identification, but it is also about substitution. We need to remember that in order for Jesus to conquer death, he had to go through death. We considered this last week, that he is the one for the many and the many and the one, that he died on the cross, the death that we deserve, that he stood in our place as the representative man, taking the failure of humanity into himself. And this is a beautiful reality because in this, he had to absorb it the pain, the suffering, the longing, spiritual and physical, into himself, he had to experience every nuance of it to satisfy our thirst. He had to first experience that thirst in every facet. Man, when I look at the cross and Jesus' cry for water to parch his lips, I am struck by that powerful parable that Jesus tells, and, and I often have believed that it was more than a parable, but he was speaking of something literal because he gave name to the, the poor man, Lazarus, in Luke chapter 16. When the rich man finds himself in hell, he cries out to Father Abraham. He says, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. And I believe that Jesus experienced the reality of hell for us on the cross. Even that perpetual thirst, he experienced it to the fullest so that we would not have to endure it for eternity. Thankfully, Jesus suffered parched lips that we might be able to drink from the well of salvation. This is replacement theology in its fullest. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9-10 through 10 says, But we see him for a little while, who is made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom, by, for, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. He took it into himself, our thirst, so that we could dwell within his satisfaction. We uncover through this obedience our satisfaction. For to our restless broken hearts, Christ offers to plant within our parched souls a gift that will well up with life and bring refreshment to us from the inside out. Isn't this what he said to the woman at the well? In John chapter 4, verse 14, but whoever drinks of this water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
I think it's important for us to remember as Christians that Jesus gives us living water, but we still must actually drink it. That we actually have to spend time with him to experience the satisfaction that, his soul, that he wants to bring to our soul. That we have the well available, but how often we spend our time drinking the continual news feed uh, and the continual social media feed and the continued battles uh, that are raging around us until we are so parched that we have forgotten that we have been given the water of, of life. The only thing that ultimately satisfies and will keep us from falling into a place of hopelessness and despair. He tells us that he will be our fountainhead, but he doesn't just come to be our source, but invites us to share in that source. He wants us to turn to him and drink from him so that we can become ones who overflow the living reality of his presence to a world that is thirsty. Isn't this why, he says in John chapter 7, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You may have come to Christ, but have you had your thirst quenched? It requires that you drink. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17 says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. He thirsts for your love. Do you thirst for his? What are you thirsty for right now? Some would say, I'm thirsty for justice. Well, I can tell you that Jesus alone holds that answer. But are you allowing yourself to drink from a well of anger right now? A well of bitterness? A well of fear? Are you drinking from a well that actually gives you the ability to love those who are acting unjust? To love those who don't agree with your particular political stance? Are you drinking from a well that reminds us that God resists the proud. And I would argue that many right now will find themselves, I think we all do, often thinking that we know what is best and that those that do not hold our particular point of view on things that we often don't know nearly enough about to even speak intelligently into are somehow less than us. Let me just once again encourage Nothing is certain, but I am certain of this, that Jesus Christ is the one who can satisfy the deep longings of the human heart. And that if you are putting your hope and stock in some future policy or some future politician, I just want to tell you just without hesitation that you are not taking into consideration the primary issue with humanity is not political, it's sin, it's theological. And we need to understand that we take care of one problem, it will only reveal another. And this is why the only thing that has the ability to truly transform a society, it's not capitalism and it's not socialism. What it is, it's not nationalism, it's not Marxism. What it is, is the gospel. And this is why I unapologetically 
hold tenaciously to that center and reject any plead to join any side on the right or the left because my loyalty is to King Jesus above all people and all things. And I pray that he is the one whom you place your loyalty at the feet of the humble king who understands the thirst in the human soul and has experienced it to its fullest and now offers the satisfaction of his living presence. May you drink from him today. I love you guys so much. Next week, Seven Deadly Sins. It's going to be so fun.
always remain and I rest in assurance of you, my King. And I'll show you, I love you with more than words, to obey your commands and to serve you with all of my heart, my God. Yeah. yeah. That was rad. Sounds great. Thanks.